Hi, I'm Nat B, and this is Memoria. Each episode explores a moment in time that shaped a writer's life. Every month we publish flash memoir, which has been adapted into bite-sized audio stories with sound effects and music. The following story is called Your Big Hands, and it is written and read by Zoe Bradley. Here is Zoe to tell us how she came to write Your Big Hands. It came from the weekend that I went up to go to my grandpa's funeral, um, and he'd been sick for quite a few years, like different kinds of cancers and things that we thought were going to wipe him out, um, but didn't, and so for quite a few years we'd kind of been preparing for this this funeral and he'd been preparing he'd kind of on school holidays he'd take us to grave sites and kind of point out where he was going to end up when he died and it was kind of like a, a joke for a long time you know oh pa's so obsessed with his death like it's such a big thing and so and so yeah I think when it happened we all kind of felt very mundane like oh yeah we've been preparing for this and now it's happened Um, And I think when I went up there, I was just struck by this, like, it was sad because obviously he had passed away, but it just didn't feel real. It felt really surreal. And so, yeah, I was kind of taken by the rituals that happen and just the, the practicalities that have to happen when someone passes away, but they were happening to us. I came home from that and I think it was the day after I arrived home, um, I just kind of sat down and just wrote. And it's probably the quickest thing I've ever written. Five days after you die, the dust has already started to gather on the piano keys. It's been less than a week and already this room is stale. The day after you left, the hospital people came and took the hired machines that were keeping you alive. They took the machines and the bed where you lay these last three weeks, took them to another family who still had use for them. In the shed, your youngest son finds the parts to the spare bed that was dismantled to make room for your last days here by the piano. By tonight, it will be a guest room. On our way home from the church to the cemetery, your wife tells us if we stay later than three, they'll charge us an extra thousand. These are the add-ons, the hidden fees built into the package you've chosen. It is a Monday, and you are dead, and the lady from the funeral parlour wears her uniform and conducts her business as she'll do tomorrow, when another body sees the sun for the last time. Beside the hole where your casket hovers, there is a basket of flowers. Its wicker handle is worn, Stray threads untangling from the weave, making it feel impersonal, a prop in a travelling show. The funeral parlour lady picks it up, holds it out for us in performed reverence. She's shaded by the brim of her ridiculous hat. It is part stockman, part cowgirl. I imagine you tutting over the classlessness of it, the way you used to judge the ladies at church who'd made poor fashion choices. Someone looks at their watch. We turn our heels in the newly dug earth and leave you there in that hole. Back at your home, I close the door to the bathroom. Your vanity bag is propped by the sink, slack-jawed zip spilling its contents onto the bench, a bottle of your signature scent on top of the pile. I search the cupboards and drawers, find five more bottles and line them up on the tiled floor. I smell each one until the scent of you disappears in my throat. Your black brush is white with your hair and I pull it through my own and wonder whether they styled yours the way you liked it. We sit in your lounge room, taking it in turns to say small, soft things that trail off at the end. He had the oddest smile. I always say I won't go for the viewing. 
I always regret it. Everyone fusses over your wife. They bring her cups of coffee that go cold in her lap. At dinner we squeeze around the table and someone sits in your seat. Your wife looks around and says, are we all here? Nobody replies, but somebody passes me the chutney. We eat straight away. No waiting for you to find the perfect soundtrack to the meal. It is the quietest dinner I've had in your home. After a glass of wine, your wife shares memories, perhaps because she feels she's supposed to. She replaces your name with your dad, and it feels like you are someone she is trying to remind us about. She says she'll learn to play the piano now. Jokes about taking up Italian. New ways to fill the time she used to spend counting out your pills and ironing the pleats in your pants. Her children sit closest to her at the table, and I can't help count that we are outnumbered now. Soon they are telling stories from a time before you were in their lives. I think about the plane tickets they all bought to get here today, and realise that all that money wasn't spent for you. As your daughter-in-law serves dessert, I sneak into the garage. It's cool and quiet, neatly arranged with your tools that will be ready for the handyman your wife hires to fix the house now. I open the passenger door of your car and settle into the woolen seat cover. The upholstery reeks of your favourite air freshener, and I shut the door so it engulfs me. On a bookshelf by the boot, I find the photo albums and hold my hand over your mouth, and then your nose and forehead, and seek my face in yours. I see you at your first wedding to the grandma I never met, and I wonder whether she felt safe with your big hands holding hers, or whether she knew you were just a child like her, playing at grown-ups. I look for traces of your son in the folds of her wedding gown, for his existence in your faces. Maybe that's him, there in the tightness of your grasp on each other, quashing the secret you tried to hide. Your secret son, born six months after you said I do, sits in a caravan now in the tourist park down the road. He shares your nose, has inherited in age your light wisps of snow-white hair, the way you stand slightly arched, your belly pointing out. You were one in the same, and when your second wife hugged him goodbye at the cemetery, she held him for longer than your other children. After dessert, your wife invites us to help ourselves to your clothes. I cram into the wardrobe with your other grandchildren as we run our hands through your shirts and jumpers, strands of your hair falling through the dust as we do. Your wife opens your top drawer and shows me your watch bands, tells me about how you used to lay everything out on your bed to see that it was well paired. Your wardrobe is arranged by colour, and on the top shelf I spy the cardigan you wore the last time I saw you. I'd taken to freeze-framing my last visions of you, ever since they told us you were dying six years ago. There was nothing different about you that last time. You were slower, but your socks still matched your cardigan. There's no one else in the piano room. The guest bed has been set up for the couple who draw the short straw tonight. With the door closed, no one can hear an uneven breath or the steady trail of snot that makes a salty gully down my upper lip. A songbook is open on the piano, and I trace my finger through the dust on the keys, wondering which was the last you played. I'm currently working on a number of short stories. I get really sick of particular stories or I'm, I'm not good at like sticking to the one thing. I get bored really easily. 
So I have a number on the go and I just kind of flick between them. Sometimes on the same night I'll flick between the, you know, four or five that are, you know, unfinished at the moment. And I've also got a bit of a manuscript that is now nine years old, I think, (laughs) and will probably be much older by the time it sees a final draft. (laughs) I really like writing in libraries. I like it because it's usually pretty quiet, but there's enough ambient noise or stuff going on that can just focus my attention on the screen. And in terms of rituals, if I'm home, I tend to make a cup of tea or I tend to turn off the lights a lot. Um, I like to write when it's dark. I don't know. It just helps me focus. And I do tend to listen to music, but it has to be in earphones. I can't. It can't be on the loudspeaker. I don't know why. It just, it's got to be in earphones. My writing goal for this year is, I think, to just spend more time actually writing, but also just spending more time doing creative things. And that might just be going to see a movie. Um, the amount of times I go and see a movie and then have all of these great ideas not related to the movie, just the way I kind of see a character from a different perspective and I have to come home and write. I tend to be inspired by people who take really mundane, gritty, real life and turn it into something beautiful. So I really love people like... Jennifer Down. She just writes beautifully about everyday kind of encounters. Um, I also really love music, like the lyrics of music like Paul Kelly and, you know, people who are telling everyday people's stories but making them matter and making them count in really beautiful ways. I did just finish reading Normal People and Conversations with Friends by Sally Bruni. And that's another one of those authors who takes these really everyday kind of situations and puts them there on that page in a beautiful and sometimes just a normal way. But it's just that earnestness, that sharing human experiences that I just found. It's really, really enjoyed it. Memoria was written and produced by me, Nat V. Your Big Hands was written and read by Zoe Bradley. Each episode is illustrated by Peter Manning. The story segment was edited by Jen Farrow. Music in this episode is by The Blue Dot Sessions. Memoria comes to you each month. You can listen to our previous episodes or see a schedule of our upcoming episodes on memoriapodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any good podcasting platform. We also have a Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support our work. It takes a team of three to put each episode together. A number of days go into selecting, recording, sourcing sound effects, editing, illustrating and publishing each episode. We prefer not to use ads, so please go to our website, memoriapodcast.com, to make a one-off donation or visit our Patreon page. And if you love the show, please leave us a review. Each like or rating is important to us and helps us spread the word. Until next time. 